and welcome to Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This is episode 121, Data Residency is Back on the Menu. I'm your lead orc, Ryan Spilkin, and joining me today is uh, Grishnak himself, Matthew Stubblefield. Hi, Matthew. Good to see you, Ryan. I will never, ever uh, call you an orcish name again, I promise. No worries, no worries. And Brenda Burrow could not join us today. She is on holiday. She is actually here in Springfield. Aww. So uh, we we got to have lunch together last week and uh, spend a little time. And then uh, I think uh, this Saturday, maybe she's going to bring the family over for some some uh, for a play date. So Aww. really good to see Brenda and hope she's enjoying her time off. Fun and frivolity indeed. That sounds excellent. Uh, and I hope Brenda is enjoying her break. She has earned it. All right, Matthew, let's dig in, man. It's cloud time. Hmm. And there are several changes all across the Atlassian cloud, starting with the Jira platform, where priority icons in issues have been updated to become more accessible. They're no longer uh, reliant on color, accessible to people who are colorblind and who may experience low vision. Uh, so good on you. Always great to see those accessibility changes. The new issue view can now be copied uh, as we've discussed on previous podcasts, it's not quite schemes, but you ha now have the ability to change, uh, to duplicate the way fields are laid out in a project across the Jira platform. As long as the project is using that screen, the layout can be copied. Customization in the Help Center has been improved, so when you're either in Jira work management or Jira service management. The experience that your end user will get when putting in a ticket just looks cleaner, gives the admins the ability to add translations um, for the login message announcements and so on. Uh, plenty of improvements there. The code feature in team-managed projects has been improved as well. Now the code feature will display repositories from all of your connected source code management tools, and you'll be able to link your Jira issues directly, view code at a glance, automate, have a little bit of fun. And as part of the UI updates that are sweeping the platform, the way that a trusted user will invite new users to the platform is changing. So this is a uh, pure UI tweak. If you're looking for the administration button in the switch to menu, it's no longer available. So if you're a trusted user, you navigate to the people menu in the top navigation, and that's where you'll be able to invite new users from. If you've got a team managed project, which I don't, you can now create a <laughs> workflow just for your epics. That's pretty self-explanatory. You'll be able to put your epics through your own special workflow just for funsies. Lastly, for the Jira platform at large, and this is a, a delightful quality of life change, you'll now be able to create subtasks in the timeline view. Next, for Jira Service Management Cloud, Atlassian is implementing further enhancements to the view of knowledge-based articles for your agents. Now videos will be able to be played in line on the ticket, uh, which before you just got an inline view of page content, now you can even watch a video. It, it makes me think if I can make a YouTube playlist and watch it through Jira. Absolutely pointless hackathon projects. I'm gonna put that one in, <laughs> in the folder. You're also able to now make groups approvers. 
groups can be used as an approval source. Anybody in this group of users can make an approval in a workflow. Amazing. Yeah, right? And finally, for Jira Service Management Cloud, if you have your JSM instance in the cloud, but your knowledge base is in Confluence, well, get ready to bring them together. When creating or linking spaces to your service project, you can now choose between spaces from Confluence Cloud or server sites. Yes, this this is very similar to the one we talked about a few weeks ago where you had Jira software in the cloud, uh, but wanted to uh, um, display the deployment statistics whatnot from Bitbucket server, I think it was. That's Wasn't correct. It? Yep, absolutely. Um, or the, the build statistics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Care if it's Bitbucket or Bamboo. <laughs> <laughs> Only the time machine knows for sure. It was... If if <laughs> I guess somebody could go back and listen to a previous episode, it was Bitbucket. Anyway, we we had this we had this whole discussion about like oh interesting that this isn't coming to Jira Software Server or Data Center. It's it's a new feature for Jira Software Cloud to connect in, and, and similarly here, um, we're we're getting the ability to connect Confluence Server into your uh, Jira Jira Service Management Cloud. Though of course, obviously that that integration already exists for Jira Service Management on premise. So. Yep. Um, yeah, just speaking to this, what's particularly nice about this is um, there are, as with all cloud products, a lot of limitations um, in cloud. You know, you can't have the same set of add-ons. There's there's a lot of styling and visual restrictions and constraints. So for Confluence, cloud is not, you know, there for some enterprises in terms of meeting their needs. This way, those enterprises can have the really robust pages on Confluence server or data center but still use service management in the cloud. Uh, and so it's a, you know, a, a good direction to go. And in, I, I mean, in fairness, my experience so far with the Atlassian cloud Jira products have, has been incredible. So I could really see why you'd want to move that direction. Confluence cloud tends to like crash on me a lot. And, and like, I run into a lot of like, when I'm writing long form content, I would just run into a lot of challenges as the page gets larger. Mm-hmm. Well, Moving on to Jira work management, there are a new set of filters rolling out. So the filters are expanding across more views in Jira work management, where now you're able to apply the basic quick filters across your timeline, calendar, and list views. But if you select the plus button plus more that are next to the filters, there will be more advanced filtering options available to you. So you'll be able to break it down by assignee, issue type, priority, reporter, and status. I suspect that this feature will continue to be be iterated upon in the coming weeks or coming months as uh, your work management gets more robust all the time. Next in Confluence Cloud, if you are a member of the Confluence Cloud Premium plan, if you're on Confluence Cloud Premium, if you apply for the early access program, you will be able to invite guests for external collaboration. We talked about this a long time ago. Do you remember? Mm. Yeah. Vaguely. And and what's also interesting is on like server data center, this is a feature provided by a third-party app. Yeah. Uh, that's getting added in natively into cloud. Yep. Well, I think I still think this is this is the first steps in Atlassian taking on the Google suite for mm. workplace domination. Two companies will enter, six companies will come <laughs> out. well not just that but you know microsoft uh with office 365 you know and 
we've we talked about it. it's not like it's replacing word like you still word still has a place but in terms of you know collaboration and having that single source of truth that single document uh, we've worked with a lot of companies that you know they they're drafting or they're doing stuff but they've got uh, external vendors you know contractors yep. that they need to work with and, and security sometimes becomes con- challenging around contractors so oh, yeah. this type of guest access and external collaboration is is really really valuable as a quick side note, one of the things that has been driving me crazy is that if you use the Google tools, they're closed by default, right? And so it's really hard just to easily get a piece of content across to somebody or to even make it discoverable, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm working, if I'm spending my day head down in Google Docs, there's no feed anywhere that my colleagues are looking at to say, oh, I wonder what Ryan's doing. That's interesting. With the Atlassian stuff, it's generally open by default. Mm-hmm. You have to choose to hide it. Whereas with Google, it's the total opposite. And I really am, am like enthusiastic about open by default now. That's That has mm-hmm. made me, because it, it's so, you're really closing yourself off when you close yourself off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about it that way. Um but I do find when I'm doing a lot of work in Google Docs, I feel like I get a lower level of engagement uh, from from team members and, and other people. Even if I'm sending them the link, if I'm sending them something like it's, it it doesn't seem to create the same level of feedback as I get from Confluence. With, I mean, they both have inline commenting, right? Like yeah. you can do that in a Google Doc and in Confluence, and yet, um, I don't I don't get it in Google as much. And I think people really like commenting on the whole page. Uh, there's there's something about having both options inline or whole page commenting that seems to drive more engagement from people. Yeah, it's just got me got me really like gung ho about the Atlassian philosophy there. I actually really appreciate that. Anyway, all right. And last but not least, Bitbucket, where really the one thing that we found that's new seems to be a bug fix. It's listed as a feature, but it's implemented new pipeline state calculator logic to fix halted step bug. I, you know, I knew customers were looking for that. <laughs> well, it's, it's notable because we've never seen a bug fix listed in the cloud. I mean, I was going to say the cloud release notes, which is what they are, but the yeah. Atlassian cloud changes, the articles we link to are presented as blog posts uh, uh, in <laughs> The documentation, like if you look at the the breadcrumb, it's Atlassian support, Atlassian cloud documentation blog, and then we have a blog yep. post for the changes, which again, Atlassian, still a real weird way to do your release notes for cloud, would really like to have a dedicated release notes site for cloud like you have for your server products, but that aside, um, yeah, never seen a bug fix on here before. Presumably, there have been lots. There are probably a billion bug fixes every week. This is the first one we've seen in the blog post slash release notes. You think it's a billion or two? I I mean the the thing with yeah, you know like a CI/CD approach yep. like there's this which is great. I mean that's how it is, and it it totally could be annoying to post about everyone and like. It's become a running joke uh, for Nintendo Switch release notes, where every release includes the generic bullet point of stability improvements. Uh, and they're like on version 12 now or something with all the different point releases. Like, oh, oh good, oh, good. They, they, they improved stability some more. Excellent. 
Um, like when you're doing a, a cloud type, like a continuous rollout service, standard bug would, would be annoying. But why this one? Why was this the one that made it to the release notes? Inquiring uh, minds. They want to know. know. Connect with us on social and tell us why this bug fix ended up in the blog at Adaptivist. Cloud development team, let <laughs> us know. We're curious. Before we turn to our server and data center updates, I want to highlight an article from TechRadar. Um, this is one of many on the subject that are out there, but I felt like this one kind of summarized it uh, best, and it links to other very relevant articles titled Atlassian Security Flaws Could Have Allowed Business App Account Takeover with One Click. Uh, I will point out use of the phrase could have. Not that it did, not that anybody <laughs> took advantage of this. Um, just one click, though. Totally good. Just a single click. Um, so there was a, uh, a checkpoint. So a, you know, a security review company found this bug, reported it to Atlassian, followed everything you know properly. Atlassian fixed this back in May. Um, so this is something that's already fixed. Uh, don't know that it was ever exploited. I'm sure there's there's tons of due diligence and reviews going on. Um, specifically, I think if I'm understanding correctly, really impacted, um, cloud and, and hosted Atlassian sites. So they refer to jira.atlassian.com, confluence.atlassian, partners.atlassian, all these different sites. Um, uh, and the security flaws could have enabled an attacker to perform a cross-site scripting attack, cross-site request forgery, um, you know, could, could take over the victim's Atlassian account perform actions on behalf of them, get access to support tickets, um, even potentially edit uh, your, your Confluence Wiki or get into stuff. So security vulnerabilities fixed. Uh, it's out there. But part of why I, I bring this article up is both because it was within the last two weeks and you know, viewers, we, we try to keep you abreast of everything going on in the Atlassian ecosystem. But all of the on-prem release notes uh, <laughs> this time around, I'll start with a section titled Stepping Up Securities. Um, and in this case, we've got uh, three Jira release notes um, this time around. My guess is whenever the next Confluence releases, it will have a Stepping Up Confluence Security block at the top. They're all identical, stating we're always taking the security of our products seriously. Uh, followed by, uh, for... Um, uh, I think all three, I'll talk about each of these in turn, but I, I think, um, yep, all three talk about upgrading components and libraries. So for those unfamiliar, components and libraries are sort of other software that gets included in the application. And one vulnerability that can sometimes get overlooked in applications is something gets found in you know this other package. And if you don't upgrade to the latest version of that package, um, then your software now has that vulnerability. <laughs> Sometimes that upgrade takes time or it's hard. There's other dependencies that, that um, uh, you know, it could break if you try to upgrade. So anyways, uh, Lassie wants you to know they take security seriously. They're upgrading their components and libraries uh, and they, they, they want to tell you about it in their release notes. Um, beyond that, Jira Core 8.18, a uh, list of bug fixes, just nine. Um, Nothing real major, uh, I think, uh, and there's nothing in the bug fixes here that's like, 
here's a big security issue. You really ought to upgrade because of the security issue. Given that the the security thing was actually addressed back in May, my guess is the fix is already, you know, probably in a June release. Um, and we're just now hearing about it, you know, as often as the case, they want to make sure everything gets patched before um, disclosing uh, a vulnerability publicly. So still good to make sure you're up to date, don't have any security vulnerabilities. Um, take a look at the release notes for Jira Core 8.18 for, um, for that. For Jira Software 8.18, uh, comment reactions. You can, you can do a little emoji reaction to a comment. That's nice. And then it has uh, an update similar to Jira Service Management that I'll talk about in a moment. Analyze how your issues change over time. Haven't gotten hands-on with this yet, but I think it's interesting. Export issue history. Mm-hmm. So um, there's now an export from the history tab where you could presumably get this into Excel or your your spreadsheet tool of choice and do some pivot tables and sort of see how things have changed over time. I've done this type of analysis in the past. It was a huge pain. Um, so <laughs> having an export that just formats everything like nicely, uh, as opposed to having to do a database dump and then and then work from there, um, that's presumably really nice. I, I say presumably because I haven't done it. You know, haven't used this new feature because uh, this release just came out. What, four or five days ago. Um, but I'm very excited to see that. Uh, and that'll be, that'll be swell. Um, they also mention uh, in this backporting uh, to the LTS release. So Jira Software, if you are on the current long-term support release, uh, there will be some critical fixes, presumably related to security. They don't explicitly say that, but I'm guessing. Um, so if you're on LTS, because because you want to avoid upgrading, uh, that's just fine. Atlassian is releasing some hot fixes that you can install without having to do a full upgrade. So you get a, the benefit of some bug fixes and uh, presumably some uh, security releases. You can go through the release notes or, or specifically the issues resolved to see which have uh, been included in a hot fix if you really want to. Um, but my guess is it's going to be uh, related more to the, the syncing thing. Um, I, I do want to call out one of the bug fixes that we talked about a month ago, uh, disabling or uninstalling advanced roadmaps disables Jira software. <laughs> I remember talking about that a while back, and apparently, my my guess is, um, the fix did not fix it, <laughs> so it had to be <laughs> fixed. Um, it had to be fixed some more. Um, so it's an eight seventeen one and an eight eighteen zero. Um, it could be it, it was totally fixed, but the then adding it to the hot fix they're releasing. Is what what tagged it for eight eighteen, but I just thought it was funny to see it in the list again. Jira service management four eighteen though, uh, pretty significant. So uh, of course, stepping up Jira security, backporting to LTS releases, uh, but uh, some new features that are. I mean, they've been requested for as long as Jira service desk has been a thing. Number one on the menu. Show SLAs on customer portals. Mm. I swear to God, if this was, uh, what was it, Family Feud? <laughs> Show me the number one thing customers want in Jira service management. SLAs Showing on SLAs on customer portals. And even better for you all, uh, it's optional per SLA. There's a toggle to say, I want to show this SLA. By default, they're still hidden. And you can choose which SLAs to show. Uh, on the customer portal. Uh, super, super nice. New look and feel. Uh, the way that it shows on the portal is 
not nuanced isn't the right word, but like it's not just sort of like slapping the exact same data up there. So when it is shown on the portal, so they they see the 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 time metric. Um, so there's a screenshot in the original thing of like, um, you know, time to resolution. You know, sort of like a, a countdown or something like that. Uh, but they they don't necessarily see like this has to happen within this amount of time or it's breached. I say all that. As I phrase it, I recognize it sounds a little confusing in the, the screenshot. The, the phrase is a little confusing. They've got a link to setting up SLAs, which I have also read through. I'm just going to have to see it in practice to, to see how it works out in the customer portal. But being able to see that is wonderful. Um, some additional customer portal improvements. You can turn off the portal search bar. Um, they say that it can be confusing for customers uh, if there's no knowledge base, having the, the search bar there, I guess that, that makes sense. Um, so, you know, just being able to turn that off is nice. Uh, even more exciting to me, you can finally do app mentions through Jira Service Desk. Uh, so if you're through the customer portal, I don't, like we use customer portals internally at Adaptivist for a lot of different things, but I often will like either create a ticket or add a comment and then immediately switch over to the traditional Jira view and edit whatever I just put in just so I can app mention somebody. I do exactly that same thing. It's, it's, it's so valuable being able to do that. This is the type of thing that seems easy and isn't <laughs> that like sort of did the little ping for me of, ah, oh, yes, Atlassian has rewritten Jira service desk. Uh, and I went back to the, the 4.0 release notes because I was like 4.18, this is actually a pretty significant change. Like being able to tie in with browsing users through the customer portal, that's a, that's a deeper level of integration than we have had for a lot of features. So going back to the 4.0 release notes, um, there were these sort of hints of, you know, that, that was the one you may recall, and this was back in 2019, I think. 4.0 was the one of like, we've improved performance by 60%. Everything is massively faster. Yep. That was that that version. Yep. Um, I think we're we're now seeing the outcome of a much deeper integration with Jira. That was probably where the performance speed came from. I bet, much like what was Jira Portfolio, now Advanced Roadmaps 2.0. Jira Portfolio 2.0 was a complete rewrite from the ground up. Yep. Kind of speculation. We haven't asked the PM at Atlassian, but I'm guessing 4.0 was kind of a rewrite of service desk. And now we're really seeing the, you know, not just the performance improvements, but we're seeing the feature availability, the feature potentials being realized of, of rewriting. So I know it's a small thing at mentions, but that is so, so useful. I'm really excited to see it. Oh, and it gets better. It gets better as you go. It does. Uh, next up, uh, data center only uh, here. And actually, it's, it's this, I guess I should mention these customer portal improvements also tagged as data center. Um, we're all going to be on data center soon if we're not already. This one, data center, and it's tagged as beta. Uh, so it's still in development. Uh, do not recommend doing this on your production instance, but you might want to try it out. You probably don't even want to try it on staging at this point. Do it on no. a test instance. But multiple incoming email channels for different requests. And I'm so excited about this. Uh, so you could say, you know, having multiple, you know, email addresses uh, that everything from that mailbox creates a different request type in the same project. Previously, if you want to do this, you had to use a, a plugin um, to do it. And I've worked with some of those plugins and, and like, I'm always a little like, I kind of don't like Atlassian adding in core functionality that's done by a plugin. Um, Fair. But those plugins go way beyond this, 
this feature. Like they do a ton of different things and they're super valuable. Um, this is this is one of the things that I'm like, yeah, the core product should have been able to do this. Uh, so, you know, being able to have a single project but have different email addresses. I mean, I would, what I'd like to see, and I don't know if this is possible, I haven't gotten into it because again, it just came out a few days ago. I would like to see it be able to use IMAP and just be able to create different request types out of different folders from your mailbox. So, you know, this is something I did years ago of like setting up the filters in the mailbox to automatically categorize the emails and then have it just pull those in um, as different request types. But uh, having a separate email address is wonderful. Um, And so like they show, you know, questions at example.com, performance at example.com, even different email service providers, have that be different request types. Uh, super, super exciting. So that's in beta. If you've got a large service desk, I'm sure you'll find value out of that. And then the mobile app uh, getting better for Jira service management, uh, being able to approve and decline requests, uh, replying to customers through the comment field in transitions, some JSM specific fields. So all that's great. And then it gets the same export issue history uh, that Jira software gets. So ton of value in Jira service management. I'm super excited to get our version of uh, Jira service management upgraded to take advantage of some of these things. Uh, it's just, you know, knocked out of the park. This is great. Can I point out that there's a sort of a joke running through the screenshots of the article as well? Yeah, I don't want to spoil it all for you, but uh, uh, they, they, need to, they need some help with Captain Joe and y'all should, should go read it. And now, turning our attention back to the cloud, on June 30th, Atlassian announced that data residency had arrived. Mm-hmm. But had it? Had it really? I mean, kind of. Forge hit general availability, and data residency is a feature of Forge and cloud, you know, gonna have some residency. Uh, well, it turns out. Um, it's available for some. <laughs> if you have an enterprise cloud plan, I love the bullet point. It's it's available for standard and premium cloud plans for new products with no data. Uh, if you have existing data, not so much, um, which also dovetails with the other thing we found, which is um, not just if you have existing data, but in the future, if you decide you, you know, you got data residency, which um, for those who are unfamiliar with the term means that you've declared my data has to stay in this geography or in this server farm, you know, it's all in the quote unquote cloud, but really it's on a server somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, uh, the, certain countries have laws that say data, you know, created in that country has to stay within the country's borders. Data residency is just to say, I want to check the box saying my data has to stay within my country's borders, you know, uh, as potential, um, example. While compliant with all um, rel- regulatory yeah, all laws, local and, laws. Yeah. And yeah. 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 So uh, what do you do if your company moves countries and you want to move your data? Well, the answer right now is uh, um, you, you can't really. It's still coming along. So you know they're, they're going to continue working on it. Um, it'll be available for standard and premium cloud plans with existing product data soon. There's a link to learn more and to sign up for updates so you can get that. Uh, right now, the locations, the AWS regions, there's three 
So, you know, um, still need more. I think, you know, seeing Frankfurt as the European one, I, I always think of Germany as my go-to example that, that yep. requires data to be in country. So like having that is solid. Um, there's a good table of what data can be made resident and what cannot. You know, some of it is just based on how the products are built. They weren't built initially for data residency. Um, so some of the calculations that have to be done, you know, they have to run, you know, elsewhere. But really, I think, uh, I don't want to use the word data again, um, uh, but just very valuable uh, uh, piece of documentation here, really in-depth, well-written. Um, so if data residency is of concern to you, this this goes into good detail on it. And um, it's, it's on the support site, which I think is is interesting. So it's not in the documentation. <laughs> I sometimes marvel at us, Ryan, of like finding the random different things from around the Atlassian ecosystem. Uh, this isn't in the blog. It's not in the documentation. It's actually uh, under Atlassian support, support and access policies resources, um, but really valuable uh, information about data residency here. And we will share the documentation on, oh no, no, we won't shut up. Uh, and also <laughs> I see they've added a page. So I have to retract my earlier criticism. If data residency is available, you can request to have your in-scope product data moved to a new location and pin there. So if you're from Elastia listening to this, and you were getting riled at me. Hey, uh, we have that feature. You can move your data now. I apologize. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, we're going to link in the show notes to this, this um, support article, Understand Data Residency. Right-hand nav, second link, move data to another location. It's all right there. Atlassian are on the ball. Published June 29th, or at least last modified June 29th. So Git and Bitbucket API activity, I know this is a bit more in the developer weeds than we typically get. We've already been talking about data residency forever, which I know is kind of a developer-ish thing, but maybe you care. You may not care as much about uh, Git and Bitbucket API, but there's an article uh, from June 29th, Deprecating Atlassian Account Password for Git and Bitbucket API activity. Um, so starting March 1st, 2022, Bitbucket users will no longer be able to use their Atlassian account password to interact with Bitbucket via Git over HTTPS and the Bitbucket API. You will instead need to start using Bitbucket app passwords for Git command and scripts integrating tools. Very brief article we'll link to here. Uh, describes how you can tell if you're going to be affected to this, by this change, how to migrate. Um, I think this is a great security step. I, I mean, I always like to have different passwords for every single account. I use one password uh, for managing all that. I used LastPass for over a decade before that. Um, but one of the things I did when I used to run a bunch of systems and servers and whatnot was uh, machine accounts. Uh, mm. And um, some, some other systems were uncomfortable with the idea of machine accounts because like, well, there's not necessarily an individual who's held responsible for that. But I think it's good to have kind of dedicate accounts because it, it, it creates this uh, sort of like firewalled security. If one thing gets compromised, it doesn't compromise anything else. And right now using your Elastian account, it means if your Elastian account gets compromised, everything gets compromised. Um, and that's an account you're using to log onto a forum. Like that, that account 
you know, the, the account you use for your Git API commands and writing to your repos should be higher security than what you used to comment on a, a forum thread. Oh, yeah. um, so having, you know, that, that you might be logging on to from anywhere, right? So um, I think this is a great move. I think it, it speaks to Atlassian's focus on security. Um, it's it's a, a smart thing to do. Lastly, on the podcast, we're going to hack at a hackathon because partners Resolution and Jexo went on a hackathon with Forge and they took a, they did a four day hackathon and they wrote up a tremendous article on it on Atlassian Community. And we want to let you know a little bit about it. Yeah, and we're going to be super brief on this because um, it is super not brief. Uh, it's <laughs> long. Um, we're also going to link to a YouTube video that was separate from this, uh, but published by Atlassian about uh, developer days uh, and um, some news about Forge. So if Forge is of interest to you, take a look at this. Um, some of the summary findings that the Resolution Jexo had, uh, they found UI kit. Uh, easy, particularly if you've got some React experience, okay for simple UIs. The new custom UI for Forge has come out. Um, still pretty limited compared to Connect, uh, especially when it comes to JavaScript APIs that Connect provides. So custom UI, you still don't get the full range as what you get when making Connect apps, but presumably it will expand and come along. Um, they do a review of tooling and templates, get pretty in-depth with that. Um, talk about the restrictions they encountered when it came to um, runtime, snapshots, security considerations, like Forge's execution environment and storage just introduced, introduces a lot of restrictions that do create challenges. There's no support for Jira service management, uh, which is uh, problematic. What? Shocking to the cloud. Like for ah. server data center, I totally get that because like Jira service management used to be a plugin. Like it was, it was actually... You know, SLAs uh, for Jira created by Valiantis that Atlassian acquired and has slowly been integrating and rebuilding. But in the cloud, you would expect the re engineering of the platform, I thought, would just make it all one. I mean, but the cloud was not. built from the ground up. So, I, yeah, surprise. So, yeah. Uh, they provide some some review of Forge's scopes, related modules of permissions, some suggestions to improve them, talk about app migration. Uh, options for connect to forge uh, and some known limitations and whatnot. So really in depth, uh, phenomenal stuff here from resolution Jack. So thank you to the teams who not just did this, but you know, documented it and, and wrote it up. So beyond doing the hackathon, then sharing their findings with the wider community, tremendous stuff here. So uh, take a look at that community post. If, if you want, you can take a look at the uh, video which is a good time uh, right under 30 minutes titled connect and forge together uh, one platform for cloud app development. So again, if you are uh, an app developer and you're trying to figure out how to go from connect to forge or, or presumably, you know, there, there's a way to take a forge app and, and kind of um, rapid connect. I think, uh, yeah, take a look um, for, for non-developers. You're, you're an admin. You're wondering what this means for you. I think the big takeaway is 
even though it's reached general availability, there are still a lot of limitations to Forge that that do make it hard to develop apps. But uh, it's coming along. Like we're we're seeing progress quickly when it comes to the the UI capabilities. Um, and I know uh, Adaptivist, like we're we're starting to to build some apps on Forge and, and move stuff out. We're excited about the potential for it moving forward. Um, but one of the main things it's doing is it's it's driving us to provide feedback to Atlassian on on where it doesn't meet the needs and and things. And Atlassian is inviting that feedback uh, loudly and vociferously. They they want to know how to make it better for the users. So exciting times all around. Well, Matthew, a gigantic plus one to you for using vociferously in today's episode of the podcast. Should have made that the secret word. And to you listeners, <laughs> thank you so much for tuning in. We are so grateful that you're here. Make sure that you connect with us on social at Adaptivist and like and share and subscribe to this podcast as often as you can. So for Matthew Stubblefield, I'm Ryan Spilkin, and we'll see you next time on the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. Improved customization experience in the Help Center is even more... No, it's not.